Michael, this is all very confusing. The three most annoying words that every investor has probably heard from their advisor over the past few months. You've probably heard it too. Stay the course. But what does that actually mean? I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today, our Chief Investment Officer, Michael Sorrentino, and Senior Financial Advisor, Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to shout out on the show, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. That's R-E-M-Y at onmarkets.com. And if you like our show, please hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. So I know we're going to talk about staying the course today, and it's a pretty relevant topic these days. But why don't we set the stage and first talk about how we got here? So Tino, it's your mic. So how we got here? Well, uh, we had a very long bull market followed by a self-induced recession uh, through the lockdowns in March of t- April 2020 and the monetary response that we got, uh, sending checks in the mail, printing all the money, all that stuff that happened that created a really fun financial market environment for the rest of 2020 and 2021 is now being given all back, or most of it, a lot of it's been given back. Some may confuse that with a recession. I don't think we're there yet, uh, but you know, we certainly there's a risk of recession sometime in the future. But ultimately, since a lot of the gains that we saw in 2020 and 2021 were quote unquote artificial, they weren't meant to last. So this is, in my opinion, a kind of a reversion of the mean or a moderation. Uh, not a moderation, a normalization rather of some of the crazy events that transpired uh, during and after the lockdowns. More specifically, Tino, for our listeners, what's driving the market down this year? If you take a stock price, there are effectively two components to every stock price. I don't even extend this out to every asset price, but let's stick with the stock market for now. Stock has a fundamental component to its price and then how we view or value that component. So the most basic and I say most commonly used Example would be earnings and then the price to earnings multiple. Okay, so a stock price is the combination of the two. So if I've got a stock that's generating five dollars per share in earnings and the PE multiple is 20, then the stock price is 100. So effectively, you've got two levers and stock prices go up and down because these two levers get pulled and pushed in different directions. So Uh, If you look at this year specifically, since the very beginning of January 2022, the earnings or the fundamental component of the stock price in aggregate is is actually up. All right. So earnings have been growing year over year. Virtually all of the downturn of the market that we've seen has been on the valuation side, that multiple, the price to earnings multiple, or whatever metric you're using. And if you think about what drives these two components, it's very interesting, at least it is to me is that the fundamental side of the equation, the earnings, is driven by those fundamentals, cash flow, competitive positioning, good management teams, high margin products, things of that nature. Those don't change very often. They tend to be very stat, uh, very consistent over time. Uh, but on the other side, the valuation side, that is driven by fear, panic, greed, euphoria, stupidity, whatever you want to call it, the emotional side of the market. So what we've seen this year has, in my opinion, been an extreme emotional reaction to some of the things that are going on in this world, uh, which has made it very frustrating and difficult for a lot of active managers because if you have an investment strategy that is predicated on strong earnings or cash flow or dividends, whatever it might be, it's not been a fun year because there have been things out of our control that are causing stock prices to move around. 
So on this podcast, we talk a lot about the technical issues, right? We talk about sort of what's going on in the market, why we are seeing some of the performance issues that we're seeing. However, in my experience, you know, it really boils down to a couple of things with a client. You know, all they really care about is where's my money going and how can I course correct? Often the response is stay the course, right? And Mike, you're probably saying this more than anybody. I'm I'm guessing you feel like a broken record these days. So why don't you talk about what stay the course actually means? Because I think that, you know, we say stay the course and, and we mean one thing, but I think what the client hears is just don't do anything. And that's a pretty frustrating thing to hear for a client who's lost a significant portion of their net worth. So what I'm actually doing is trying not to use the phrase stay the course, right? Because it, it, it because the first thing, I mean, the, the reaction to it is pretty visceral, right? People, you say stay the course, that is the last thing anybody wants to hear. It's interesting because when you, you sit down and you, and you talk to someone about, you know, what their goals are and how they're going to be positioned and so forth, obviously, you know, time frame is always a, a big component of that, right? You're sitting down with a 58-year-old, they're not going to really live in this money or they're not going to anticipate supplementing their income with these investments for maybe 10, 12, 14 years. And you know, you do your best to sort of set the stage that over that period of time, there's going to be ups and downs and things like that. And that you, know, you want to put uh, an investment philosophy in place that's going to suit them for the long term. And that over that period of time, you know, you're going to have lots of different experiences and lots of different results. But when it actually happens, it's a different story. When they see the dip, when they see whatever they're in is down 10, 12, 14, 20%, whatever that number happens to be. I do my best to have this conversation about, you know, how we've talked about this in the past. You know, we had this conversation before, are we investing in in stocks or in companies? You know, we've invested in companies that we believe, you know, are going to be successful in the long haul. And they tend to agree, but then come back to the, but I don't think this one's coming back. Let's make the change. It's a difficult conversation to have because, you know, you really don't, I mean, we don't know with any, with any more certainty than, than anyone that something's coming back. I mean, we think it's going to, obviously we wouldn't have invested in whatever it is we're investing in if we didn't have a long-term belief in whatever that particular company or sector happens to be. But it's a very difficult thing for someone to hear that you need to sort of stick it out. You need to, you know, go back to what we talked about day one and look at this thing for the long term when they feel as though they're in, to them, what is a sinking ship, whatever it happens to be. So from an asset management or a money management perspective, Tino, what does stay the course mean? I think Mike alluded to it to a certain degree is that staying the course is if you've got a plan in place and the plan's working, and your probability of success remains within the bounds that make everybody comfortable, that is stay the course. Stay the course means to, if you're working or invested in a strategy that is looking for fundamental factors like, again, good revenue, things of that nature, and just because those factors may be out of favor temporarily, stay the course means stick to the strategy that you're in. To Mike's point, I think somewhere along the line, and I don't know when or how this happened, but this idea of stay the course is mutated into this terrible idea of bury your head in the sand and just hope things work out for the better. To me, I, I don't think there's a worse piece of advice out there. I mean, I actually would equate that to being arguably worse than saying go out and day trade. 
uh, to do nothing all the time. I mean, think about markets. They're constantly changing. Economies are cyclical for reasons that we've discussed in prior podcasts. And to sit there and say that your strategy is set it, forget it, like it's, you remember that, that what was that, that Ronco food? Ron Popeil. <laughs> yeah, set it, forget it. I mean, this idea that you could just, it's like a, you know, a rotisserie chicken going in the oven and it's going to cook no matter what, that's insane in my opinion. So uh, it does get confused often. For me, when I say stay the course, and, and you're, Mike, you're right, you, you got to be very careful how you use those words these days. It really means is that, you know, if you're at a strategy that's designed to work over the long run and looking for fundamental factors, but more importantly, as long as your financial plan is working, and remember, you know, Mike, you, you know better than I do, but you know, when you build a financial plan, I mean, have you ever built a financial plan that has not modeled in a recession at some point? No, not at all. And, and the interesting thing is that when you, you build this plan and you create this expectation, and if you have a, a huge up year, if you have a year where it's up 30%, right? The expectation at that point is that that's my money now. And that from that point forward, that is what I'm planning on having. And if there's any type of a dip in that, you know, now I've lost money. Even though we've really, we didn't plan on having a 30% up year, right? We plan on having a, whatever, a 7% year, whatever our projection was going to be. But once it's beyond that, anything that recedes is, is like, it just evokes this reaction that is just panic inducing. So you're getting to uh, what I think the best and the worst thing about stock markets the best thing about the stock market is you can buy or sell a stock at any time of the day during trading hours, no matter what. And the worst thing about the stock market is you can buy or sell a stock at any point of the day, right? I mean, that's ultimately the challenge. Uh, if people realized how volatile their home prices were, if there was liquidity in the housing market like there is in the stock market, they may think twice about buying, uh, buying a house. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have looked at housing prices over the past two weeks, but they've plummeted. I mean... I'm constantly looking at the housing market and I can tell you that literally just over the past maybe seven days, just in my town, I see anywhere from maybe three to five price reductions every single day since last week and significant price reductions. I'm talking 10, 15% reductions just since the uh, interest rates were announced last week. So you're right, you know, there, there's a lot of volatility everywhere. It's just that the liquidity of the market is really what makes it a little bit more challenging. Well, it's so easy to change, right? And people do. You know, how many times do you talk to someone that a lot of people will manage their own 401k? They get online and they can just, and, and when they see something happening, they'll go in and readjust, you know, what their allocation is because it's so easy to do it. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but they'll do it. And then the expectation is that that's what you should do. And I think, to be honest, there are a lot of advisors that play into it. It's very easy to say to a client, okay, we'll, we'll make, some sort of an adjustment and make some sort of what essentially could be a meaningless adjustment, but just to give someone a, a feeling of, of confidence that something's happening in the background. You know, it's a weird thing. You're, you're tying into another, uh, yet another paradox around investing is that some of the best investors, you know, optically do nothing, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I know some investors that once a year, they'll update their portfolios and they'll go out and do a couple buys, a couple sells, and they stick with that portfolio for the whole year. Um, this is an individual I know who does this. They, they work 100-hour work weeks and they know every single detail about every single company. So you know, when, you, when you equate activity in a portfolio to working through tough times, a lot of times that can create some very dangerous expectations. 
Plus, I would argue that everybody can't do that, right? And and I guess everybody can do that from a logistical standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, that is probably the most challenging thing is to just not sell, to just have confidence in whatever it is that you've invested in, have confidence in your financial plan, have confidence that you're moving in the direction that you want to move and that, you know, to your point earlier, that you you sort of priced in some of this volatility along the way. Not everybody can do that. No, and then you get the comment fairly frequently, you know, if you're not going to do anything, if you're not going to make a change, you know, I'm paying you to manage the money. What am I paying you for? And the response to that is you're paying us right now to prevent you from making a change that you shouldn't make, right? We're, we're trying to prevent you from making an emotional decision. It's going to have a, a negative impact on your plan for years to come. I'm curious, Mike, when you meet with prospects for the first time, is that part of the conversation that you have, you know, in the first handful of meetings? You know, I would assume that the clients are probably not asking those types of questions, right? They're asking about performance, they're asking about whatever their their goals may be and how you're going to achieve them. But are do you typically set those expectations up front that look, you know, there's going to come a time when you know, you're going to see some sort of dip in the market. You might see a recession. You might see this, you might see that. And you're going to come to me and you're going to be, you know, sort of panic stricken. And I'm going to tell you, you know, stay the course. And you may feel like, hey, you know, why am I paying you just to tell me to do nothing? And this is what I'm paying you for. And I'm letting you know right now that this is going to happen. Probably not as directly as you've just articulated it, but the answer is yes. The issue is that you know, people tend to have short memories. And it's not just, you know, the first time you meet with somebody as a prospective new client. It's, look, a year ago, I was having, you know, annual strategy sessions with people and reviewing their investments from the prior year. And we're looking at these 22 and 26 and 31%, you know, positive returns. And people are, are obviously very happy about that. And I am literally saying, look, don't get used to this. This is not, remember this, you know, when, when it's down 15. Right now, everything's great and you feel great, but it's not always going to be like this. And I've had that conversation many, many, many times. <laughs> it just doesn't seem to really matter. It just doesn't matter. You know, it, I think people will logically remember it when you remind them that, you know, look, we had this conversation earlier and, and it depends, right? People are in a, a bit of a fragile emotional state when they're down. You know, you don't want to sound like I told you so, right? Yeah. So you need to have this conversation in, in a, a fairly gentle way. It's like, you know, look, when we sat down a year ago, we talked about the volatility of the market. You were way, way up at the time. And, you know, you were probably happier than you should have been about that. Just like now you're more distressed than you really should be about this. And I think logically people understand it, but it doesn't seem to, you know, logic a lot of the time just doesn't overcome emotion. Well, it's like anything else. I mean, you know, Mike and Remy, you guys have started a few businesses now and I've ventured into this a little bit, but you, you know, any entrepreneur is warned up front that they say that, you know, starting a business is hard and, and you know, going through a tough spot is going to be gut-wrenching and you're like, okay, fine, I'm ready. And you think you're prepared for it, right? And then you go through that tough time and you go through you know weeks and weeks of not sleeping, bad decisions, panic stricken. Your stress is overwhelming at times. You know, I think a lot of ways nothing can prepare people, no matter how much uh, warning we give them, until you actually go through something. Uh, I think the real value of where where the the financial advisor sits is to come in and say, look, you know, you like you said, we planned for this, and we talked about this, and and now we're in it. Just remember that we knew going in that this was going to happen. So. 
I used to have an employee that would get really excited when he was going to bring on some new business and he would come in and he would get super excited and he'd jump up and down and tell me all about all this business that was going to come in. And, you know, I got this client, I got that client. And, you know, my question was always, well, you know, did, did you actually sign the client yet? Well, no, but, and, you know, the answer is no, I'm, but I'm, I'm about to. And I would say, well, come talk to me when you have, because, you know, yeah, you don't have anything yet. And, uh, you know, for a while he would sort of dog on me a little bit and tell me I was just never happy with anything. But, but over the course of, you know, a few years, he used to say, man, you, you know, Remy, you're really battle hardened. So I'm curious with clients who have gone through this in the past, do they get battle hardened the next time they go through it? Is it significantly easier or is it just like it was from the, the first time? I think it varies from client to client, but for the most part, <laughs> the answer is no. I agree. Be because everybody thinks that this time the circumstances are completely unique and we're, we're facing something we had never faced before and how are we going to handle it? And I'm having that conversation all the time right now, right? I, I talk about, you know, do you not remember what happened in March of 2020, right? The market dropped, what, like 35% over a period of a couple of weeks, and then everybody says, well, yeah, but that was just the COVID thing. We knew it was coming back. And I want to say, no, you didn't know it was coming back. And if you turn down the news, you know, they were telling you there was bodies piled up in the streets everywhere. And not only was the market not going to be coming back, but that we were like in danger as a species. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, there, there, was, there was nothing sure about the market coming back in March of 2020, right? It was the scariest thing ever for most people. But it came back. So that's faded, you know, from, from recent memory. And now this is worse than that was. You, you have to also be careful about not coming across too callous. You know, when I have that conversation, you know, I remind people, look, I'm human too. I feel it just like you do. But emotion is just one part of the puzzle, right? It's just one source of information. You know, if you did everything based solely on emotion, you'd make terrible decisions all day long. You know, this is no different. Plus, I feel like you hear that you know, every time you've got some sort of market correction or, or, or some sort of dip, it's always, well, well, this time is different or this time is unique. But every time is different, right? In, in 2008 with the bailouts, uh, you know, it's different. In, in 2020, oh, with COVID, well, this time it's unique and different. And, you know, now we've got, you know, the stuff that's going on right now. Now it's unique and different. It's always unique and different. Every time you see these, these, these dramatic drops, there's always some unique catalyst for that. You know, it may... It may be a little easier for us, Remy, actually you and I, maybe more than Tino, because, you know, we went into business in 2007. We were just starting to hit our stride in 2008 and the meltdown happened and, you know, it really severely impacted our business. And we had just hired a bunch of employees and opened a couple of offices and, you know, the stakes were enormously high for us. And then quite honestly, the almost exact same thing happened in this business, right? We, we purchased this this practice as a going concern. And we did that in, in February of 2020. And 30 days later, you know, we had the COVID thing that I just described, you know, in my last comment. So, and again, the stakes were enormously high for us. So, you know, maybe we're a little, we're a little more battle hardened than the average person. So maybe it's a little easier for us to go through it because we've been through it a couple of times now. But, you know, when it happens, I, I don't know that I feel any less panic stricken, you know, as a, just a normal human. I think I can say that you do not. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you don't want to freak out our clients. People are listening to us. <laughs> so as it relates to those three dreaded words, stay the course, what's the bottom line? For me, the, the bottom line is you really need to sort of search your memory and, and look back into, you know, what was the plan you put together? You know, did we, we plan for this? And stay the course doesn't necessarily mean do nothing. It just means don't 
toss everything out and start from scratch. You know, don't sell everything and, you know, go bury your cash in, in a coffee can in the backyard kind of thing. You know, to Mike's point, it all goes back to the plan, right? So when we think about staying the course, a lot of times really what it means is to avoid putting yourself in a situation that could risk your financial future for curing some short-term minor pain or discomfort. This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.